Praise the Lord. I'm going to be real short today, but I just wanted to, and I actually had to change the thought just a couple minutes ago. Hopefully, Sister Dakota's ready here. Um, but I want to look at Acts 2 and 40. It says, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Notice that says to save ourselves. That means we play a part. A lot of times we talk about how we could never save ourselves, and we, and we could not. Not without Jesus paving the way. Not with all the things that he did. But we are to play a part in our own salvation. <clears throat> I also want to look at Isaiah and it, about, uh, what is it, 15 through 20? Uh, thank you. <laughs> and when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Now, Jesus came not to save everyone. Jesus came to pave a path. For everyone to be saved. It's up to us to get on that path. It's up to us to walk the road. It's not, it's not Jesus' fault if we don't make it. A lot of times we want to sit here and we want to blame God for things. We want to, it's up to us to take the, the path. I know that these men have prayed. I know that they have a word for us. But if we don't take it and do anything with it, that's not their fault. That's not Jesus' fault. That's on us. And I just want to encourage someone today that Jesus came to pave a path for every one of us, no matter what we've done before, no matter what we're going to do tomorrow, if we will put our hearts and our minds to moving forward and to doing what we're supposed to do, to love God, to try to change and correct ourselves, to love our brothers, to love our sisters. We have a part that we must play. And I'm uh, going to skip down here, actually. Um, Let's go to 2 Chronicles 7, 14. It says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Let's also look and jump down to Jeremiah, and I'm going to close right here. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. He had to write the book of Lamentations because people just didn't want to listen. People didn't want to hear the word of God from his mouth, whether they didn't believe him because they didn't trust him or they just didn't think that God would do it. <clears throat> but it says, and it shall come to pass if they will diligently learn the ways of my people to swear by my name, the Lord liveth. <clears throat> As they taught my people to swear by Baal, then shall they be built in the, my, in the midst of my people. But if they will not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, saith the Lord. Now, a lot of times we look for 
answers. We look for God to step in here, step in there. You know, there's the old saying about couldn't see the tree for the forest. God works miracles. Riding the bike, right? Blind, what, was that four years, five years? Uh, was it 11 years ago? So it seems like it was, <laughs> oh, 11 years blind. So uh, we see things all the time, and we choose to ignore them because we're looking for something specific. Now, I just want to put that God came down, loved us, had enough mercy to robe himself in flesh, have what he created spit in his face, slap him, then get on a cross, be nailed on a cross, and bleed for us to have a way. God went through all of that so that we could walk a path that he lit, that he paved the way for us to walk. It's up to us to do it. So I just want to close with that, and I hope today somebody takes the time to pray, love God, and hear the word. Praise the Lord, everybody. I am excited to share the word that God has shared with me. And uh, just to lay a little groundwork before I get to my opening scripture, uh, not because it was remarkable or because I'm anything special, but the last time I preached, I talked about the lies of Satan. And that, I never really stopped thinking about that. Sometimes... I'm not done digesting things that God works with me on. Amen. So Satan's target is your mind. His weapon are lies. His weapons are lies. So it would behoove us to fill our minds with truth. Amen. The best place to find truth is going to be God's word. My opening scripture is John chapter 8, verses 30 and 32, scriptures. It says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Satan would like nothing more but to bind you hold you down with all the lies that he likes to pile together. But God wants to set us free. Whatever's been piled on us, whatever's been attached to our lives, whatever muck we're stuck in, whatever we're facing, it's God's will to free us from that. And he does it with the truth in his word. Amen. You can be seated. Before I go any further, I just want to say I'm thankful for the opportunity to share God's word. I'm thankful for my pastor and my home church for putting up with me and having patience for me. Amen. Last time we talked about the fact that there are lies all around us from Satan. But then we countered those lies with truths. And I was doing some research on how people that handle money 
all the way from federal agents all the way down to bank tellers. They're first told that there are counterfeits, yes. But the main way that they're taught to see those counterfeits, Brother Rick, is by showing the real thing over and over and over. The best way to recognize counterfeits or lies is to fill yourself with images of the truth and what's real. What does the Bible say about the word? 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture, not some scripture. God used man, but he moved over upon man with his spirit. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, ouch, for instruction, what's the interesting, interesting thing about instruction, Brother Collins? Somehow you disappeared into the crowd. They're right in front of me. Instruction does us no good unless we do what? Apply it. But also for instruction in righteousness. The Bible tells us how to do so many things God's way. If I was about to do something in my life, try to achieve something, or maybe try to avoid something, and if I knew there was a right way to do it, I, I, I think I would want to know what that is. No matter how often or how many times I read through the Bible, I find more and more bits of wisdom that maybe I didn't understand the first time I saw it, maybe I didn't remember it, but it seems like every time I open up that living word, more and more and more is revealed to me. I'm so thankful for that living word. So these are some things I just want to quickly go over that seem either counterintuitive or maybe it's just a bit of truth that might get you by tomorrow, okay? Number one, it's impossible to avoid sin without it. No matter how good you think you are, no matter how good I think I am, how long I've been in church, amen, if I don't keep my nose in the book, sooner or later the enemy's going to wear me down and I will sin. Psalms 119 verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. Even with reading the word, even with living for God, I'm still going to make mistakes. But at least I have a fighting chance if I have that word living inside of me. Number two, are you interested in some prospering and maybe some good success. I don't know about you, but I don't like putting effort that I know is going to be wasted forward. Josh, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of, my, out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then... Thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good 
success. Amen. Did you know that you could have good success just by putting word in your life? Number three, what if you want to be cleansed? Did you know that no matter how straight your path is, if you're living in this world, there are just things that you see, that you witness, that you go through that are going to try to attach themselves to you. I mean, sometimes I get into messes myself, right? But we know that sometimes through no fault of our own, there are things that just attach, just grossness, that attach itself to us. And by the end of the day, it's like, oh, I just need to take a spiritual shower. Psalms 119 verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. No matter what's attached to you, no matter how gross you feel, no matter what you just got through, we can be cleansed by the word. Does anyone feel like being approved unto God? Number four, we can be approved unto God. Did you know that? Someone just called it out. 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, study to, <clears throat> study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. An entire sermon could be written just on that verse and breaking that down. If I don't study, then I'm not approved. If I don't study, then I am going to be a workman that will be ashamed. If I don't study, I'm going to try to apply this word of truth. And even though it is still truth, wherever I apply it, it won't be rightly so. You can do more damage than good with a sword if you're not handling it properly. I want to move on. I'm going to get stuck there. Number five, it keeps your leaf from withering. Well, what does that mean? You ever go through life trying to produce, trying to show everything that God's done in your life, and you're just starting to feel like you're withering a little bit? Everything that you face, you're trying to show that, that, that fruit that you're producing, but yet the world's just kind of making you feel sapped. Your energy is low. You don't know how you're going to take your next step. You slept for 12 hours yesterday, but you still don't feel rested. There's only one way to combat that. Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. It's not just reading it. It's delighting in it. The fact that I can open that book and see a way out. I need to delight in his law. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. What does that mean? It means I read it and I say, how can I apply this to my life? And I'm excited to do so because this is going to produce some results. 
And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Aren't you excited for that? What's the best way to show God that we love him? Ooh, that could step into some controversial territory right there. So I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to let the word tell you. Isaiah 26, 8 in the New Living Translation says, Lord, we show our trust in you by obeying your laws. You want to know how to show God that you love him? Obey him. Obey his word. Take his word as truth. And that's how you show him that your heart's desire is to glorify his name. We can't assume grace of ignorance. Acts 17.30 says this. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all man everywhere to repent. We've heard the truth. There's no excuse. Amen. We've been equipped, and it's time to fight. We can't just follow our hearts. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? How many times have we heard, oh, I just follow my heart? You'll know what to do. Just follow your heart. I don't know about you, Brother Playable, but my heart can be swayed. Depending on which side of the bed I woke up on, depending on who I'm feeling sorry for, depending on whether I'm in a bad mood, I'm going to make decisions following my heart differently day to day. But you know what thing, what one thing is steadfast, never changing, always right? That's the truth found in his word. Last point, the Bible lights the way through darkness. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you're in a place that you don't know where to go, you don't know where the next step is supposed to be, we can always turn to his scriptures and find the true path that we should be walking on. The true path that's going to take us out of that dark place and into his marvelous light. But here's where the rubber meets the road, brother. You were on it. Very quickly, James chapter 1. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible right here. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Does it say it will, or does it say it's able? It's able. How does that make sense? What's the difference? Well, right here, verse 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. It means don't be, you will be such a good liar that you're going to believe your own lies if you think you can just read this and do nothing with it. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what matter of man, manner of man he was. But whoso looketh unto the perfect, 
perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, and continueth, and continueth, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Listen, I'm not going to lie to you. If you're going through a rough spot, and you listen to some preacher that just leaves it at a good verse, and he doesn't tell you there's more, he's just as bad. You're going to open that book, read, and you're going to look around. Your problem's still going to be in front of you. But if we put it into action, I have it on a good report that we're going to see the other side of it. God's going to see you through. Why? Because his promises don't return void. Let's praise the Lord. Let's look through his scriptures, and let's put them into action. So I'm just going to ring one verse of scripture out of the book of Matthew, actually out of the book of John, chapter 7, verse number 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. There's that invite. There's that invite, Brother Colin. Doors open. Began to talk to I'm going to just entitle that open invitation. But as I was looking, and and sometimes I keep stuff in my Bible. It's just it's just stuff. I don't sometimes I don't know why it's there. If it's invitation, uh, um, and I just so happened to come across one that said it was an RSVP. And I got to thinking, I've never responded to that. <laughs> it was two years ago. but I guess they figured I'm not coming. But so I had to ask myself, what, what does RSVP stand for? What does it mean? I go, R-S-V-P. you know those little acronym things? It's actually French. And it just means that you return, you return your response to the invitation as to whether or not you're going to come or not. And it's, it's polite. Sorry, I missed it. If it's any consolation, they're not together anymore. <laughs> but it's an RSVP. And so it's an invitation. Whether it's a birthday or it's a graduation ceremony or, or something somewhere within, you know, some realm of what it is. And it's just so that you could, if you were doing a party, Sister Lacey, you sent out an RSVP, you're wanting to know if 10 people from the church are going to show up or everybody is going to show up. Because if they are going to show up, you hand that over to your husband and you say, now it's your problem. It just, you're trying to decide how much you want to cook and how much food you're putting together and how much tables you need to lay out and how much silverware and, and do you need to accommodate this or that. And 
just polite, RSVP, replying to an invitation to indicates whether I'm going to attend or not. And there are multitudes of situations in your Bible where the Lord puts out an invite. So before RSVP became the thing, the Lord just said things like this, Brother David, come unto me if you're thirsty. Some of these were time sensitive. I just pulled a few out there because of, of time itself. In Genesis chapter 7, in verse number 1, you know the story. God told Moses, you build yourself a boat because it's going to rain and I'm going to destroy mankind. And 100 years of preparation took place. And on that 100th year, and I imagine day 364, 365, depending if it was a leap year or not, I'm messing with you, was when the invite came and the Lord said to Moses, he said, no, I'm sorry. Thank you. Man. <laughs> Come thou and all thy house into the ark. A week from today. Because judgment came in the arena of a rainstorm, kind of like what we just had, I think. Probably worse than that. Because it had never rained like that before. Came from above and below, and the water raised up. And, and you know the story that Noah and his three sons and their wives and his wife all got in the boat. So eight souls were saved by the invite. Time sensitive. There's a flood coming. You better get in the boat. Well, I don't know. I need to think about this. Sometimes the word of God is, is delivered. It's preached right in our laps. <laughs> Brother Robbie. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? And, it, and it just comes right in our laps. And we look at this and we go, I've got to make a decision with this. I need to respond to this in some way or another. And, and like we've mentioned recently, Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Felix said, I'll tell you what, I'll call for you when it's a little more convenient. Time sensitive. Another place in Exodus 32, verse 26, is where Noah, uh, now this time Moses, Came down from the mount, and uh, the children of Israel got all out of shape because he was nowhere around. And so they convinced Aaron. He didn't have much of a backbone. He was easily convinced. And they disobeyed the Lord. And, and so then the Lord just said real simply, he said, you tell them this, who's on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. So it was more than just, I'd like a raise of hands, who's on the Lord's side. We all should go, yeah, I'm on his side. But then right after that, he said, come unto me. Because there was a separation that took place. This was time sensitive. It wasn't something a week later you could go, okay, I think I'll process that and deal with that. You don't have that much time. 
some things and living for God, you don't have a lot of time. You just have to look at it. We just think we have a lot of time. We hope we have a lot of time. Can I cross all my fingers? I hope I don't die in my sleep tonight. I hope the Lord doesn't come back. I hope I don't hear a trumpet sound and all of a sudden those that are around me are being raised up with Him in glory and I'm left behind. Time sensitive. Judgment's coming. And those that went found salvation and those that did not found judgment. Matthew 14, verse 28 and 29, it talks about how that Peter saw the Lord walking on the water in the midst of the storm. And he says, verse 28, If it be you, bid me to come. And he just went like this. Come. In a voice that you could hear across that windy, stormy water. With all the ruckus all around them here and there, that voice was clear. It was an invite. Peter, it's me. It is me. Come. Peter didn't go, okay, guys, let's vote. Okay, who wants to vote? What do you think? Should we, should we draw straws? Should we throw some dice down? Should we do rock, paper, scissors? No, it was one of those things. It was time sensitive. Can I talk to somebody tonight? There are times in a church service. It can be in a prayer meeting. It can be on a Wednesday night. And it can be on a Sunday. God is dealing with you. He is speaking directly to you in your situation. And to me. And he's saying, come unto me. Don't wait. Don't think about it too long. Don't ponder it in your mind. Just respond. Tell you how many times after an, just an apostolic move of God. God is moving in the service. And the service is coming to a close. 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. People praying. and People filled with the Holy Ghost like your boys. And this going on. And someone walks up and goes, would you pray for me please? Service is over. Would you pray for me, please? I really need a move of God. Um, time sensitive. Then there are another couple locations in your Bible that there is an open invitation. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Doesn't give a time stamp of being on the water or getting in a boat or coming on the Lord's side because He's going to open up the earth and swallow up people. He says, Come after me. John 7 37, we read it. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29 and 30 talk about. Let me go to Matthew 19 14 first. Can I do that? Jesus said, suffer, little children. Because he was looking at the way that kids look at things. With simplicity. I don't, I'm not worried about politics. I'm not worried about what you think or I, I, and what club I'm going to be involved in. They just have a way. You, every once in a while, during 
during a move of God, I, I challenge you, come up here and stand right here. Come up here and stand here and look at 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 kids down here with their hands raised up in the air, tears coming down their eyes. I'm telling you, nobody prompted them to come pray. They were hearing the voice of the master. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Little kids, girls, boys, just crying out to God. And Jesus said, I wish you'd come to me like that. I wish you'd set aside your pride, young man. I wish you'd put aside that, that, that your facade, young lady. Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, and I will give you rest. Verse 30, what's he say? My yoke is easy. Oh, living for God is so hard. No, it's not nearly as hard as living for the world, living in the world's world, living for the devil. When you live for God and you do it hard, it's easy. But when you live for God easy, it's hard. How's that make any sense? You know what I'm talking about if you're somewhere you're half in and you're half out. Open invitation. He's saying to someone tonight, respond. Respond to the preaching, the challenge truth. Respond to it. Do something with it. Don't just sit there and think I've got forever. I don't have forever. Stand if you would please tonight. That open invitation says you can come anytime you want. You don't have to wait for a revival service. You don't have to wait for this perfect environment, this or that. I've told you, you've, you've heard this. If, you just nod and smile, but this is for people that haven't. The night I got the Holy Ghost, Brother Rick, I told my wife before we ever went to this revival service, I said, I'm going to get the Holy Ghost tonight. I'd made up my mind. I had cried. I had slobbered. I would snotted. I laid there till my legs were numb. My arms hurt. I couldn't lift them up any higher. And people were saying, let go, hang on. You know, the whole thing. And I was like, I want the Holy Ghost. And I want it, I want it, I want it. We had an all, a, a pre-service where it was 45 minutes, an hour of singing. And all of a sudden, and, and man, it was primed. It was ready to go. A preacher grabbed the microphone, started going down the aisle. And I was like, I wish he would shut up because I want the Holy Ghost. And he stopped right where he was at, and he just looked my direction. And he said, I think we're going to stop right now because somebody's going to get the Holy Ghost. I got the Holy Ghost before I got to the altar that night. There was an open invitation. It doesn't have to be so prim and proper all the time. You don't have to wait to hear the preacher say, these altars are open. They're always open. It's always appropriate to pray for somebody sick. It's always okay to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's always okay to celebrate Jesus, to lift your hands, to call out unto Him, to lift your voice, to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It's always okay. There's always an open invitation. 